When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What's going on, Bulls Nation? And welcome in to the CHGO Bulls Podcast presented to you by PointsBet. Don't forget that promo code CHGO when signing up your PointsBet account to live your bet life. I'm Peck. You can follow me on Twitter at Bulls underscore Peck. Will the Go Gottlieb is at Won't Gottlieb on Twitter. Big what Dave is at Bow, B-A-W-L. We are CHGO underscore Bulls on the Twitter machine. Happy Monday. Hope everybody had a great weekend. We've got a huge week of content for you guys. More draft prospects as we get closer and closer to the 2022 NBA draft a week from Thursday. Uh, On that note, make sure you go check out the draft prospects playlist on our CHGO Sports YouTube channel. Big Dave and Will did a great job dropping the first batch of those. They're like little quick hitter, five or six minute videos covering some of the players we've talked about more at length already, and we'll be dropping more for you there this week. So keep an eye out for that. Plus, for all of our CHGO members out there, make sure you're checking out on the website, allchgo.com, Will's written versions of these draft profiles, the first of which you dropped earlier today. Is that right, Will? That is right. Yeah. As I go through and start to get to know these players uh, watching their film, I just take some notes and it's sort of a, a notebook version of our our, our videos. Um, so goes into some more depth in some ways. It's also a little bit more quick hitter in other ways. So I think it's just a good uh, overall package for the for the draft. Right on, right on. And Dave, how are you, sir? Oh, I am wonderful. I'm doing well. Everything's good. He's Mr. Wonderful. Uh, well, thank you, Will. It's very kind of you to say. Uh, I'm not looking forward uh, to tomorrow through Friday. Uh, I'm I'm not looking forward to that at all. The weather will be just absolutely dumb, and I'm not looking forward to this heat at all. So, you're you're uh, not a fan of the uh, the mid to to high ninety degrees Fahrenheit. Well, well, Matt, you know, Matt, when you're already a furnace, you know, and then you <laughs> add extra heat on top of that. I'm just I'm not looking forward to it at all. I, yeah. I'm, just, I'm just not looking forward. Well, to hey, it. at least we got the AC <laughs> fixed in the studio, so you know. Yeah, but we can't have it on during the show <laughs> yeah. because it's so loud. So True. that, yeah. So again, I'm not looking forward to any of this. This is yeah. Hey man, we'll see I think uh, I think I might not come back. I'm with Dave. <laughs> too, too hot, guys. 
Just embrace <laughs> the summer pack vibes. Tank oh, tops, Lord. shorts, and burks, baby. Oh, it's Lord. summer just, pack, not summer new... Will and Dave. There it I, is. Tell them. I just added a new tank top to my to my wardrobe. <laughs> was... For the rotation. Yeah. His, he got tank tops like I got hats. Like it's really insane, dog. His number of tank tops is it's it's impressive. It's impressive. Well, so, impressed. so the brewery that I'm obsessed with, me and my family love going to up at my folks' place in Michigan. My mm-hmm. brother and I popped in while we were up there to most importantly bring an inventory back to Chicago with us. We <laughs> love their beer and you can't get it here in Chicago. But they've also got merch in their in their like pull barn brewery and I have every one of their tank tops. They have a whole bunch of different kinds, and I spotted a new one when I was there this weekend. I was like, "Yeah, I'm gonna need that. I'm gonna need that tank top." <laughs> that it's is so yellow. Cool. I don't. I don't wear a lot of yellow. I'm yeah. a little nervous about pulling it off because you can pull you it know, off. You can whatever. Pull it you can pull it. Off. I'm. I'm probably gonna look wear at that. Oh, look at look thrill. Oh, look at thrill. Look this at is, him, this is an audio only episode, so unfortunately, y'all can't see the gorgeously beautiful. That's a warrior shirt, is it not? Definitely, Go Dubs, baby. Yeah, you see it. Strength and uh, numbers. We're, we're recording this on the precipice of Game Five, uh, just about four or five hours away here on Monday night. And speaking of which, before we get to our next um, draft profiles, we wanted to spend the first few minutes of today's uh, episode talking about what happened in Game Four. Huge performance from Steph Curry, who poured in forty-three points. Just an iconic performance from Steph. That kind of reminded everybody all the talk about, oh, does he still have something left to prove? Still hasn't won a finals MVP. What is his legacy? Will this final series decide or define what his legacy is? I mean, to me, that was just about Steph playing an outrageously Steph-like game, a game that the Warriors absolutely had to have. In my opinion, they could not afford to lose that. If they go down 3-1 to one to these Celtics, over. Series, over. So... Yeah. I mean, what what did you guys think while you were just watching that that game four uh, play out? Oh uh, well, I had three things. I had only three things about this, and I'll and I'll start with what you just talked about, Matt, with Steph Curry. My God, <laughs> that man was absolutely insane, and you saw it from the first quarter um, when he hit that timeout three, and he just went and yelled at the fans and yelled at the Boston bench. I said, "Oh no!" <laughs> I was like, "He's." I'm I'm not used to seeing him do that so early in a game. And that just lets you know what it meant to him and how serious he was going to take this. And my goodness, man, he kept them in the game the entire game and then closed the game. It was that superstar kind of game that I like seeing. You know, I love watching greatness. I say it to Matt all the time. I love watching greatness. And it was just so great to sit there and watch him do that. And you just saying, wow. Wow, because he did it from everywhere, you know, hitting the threes. You saw the handles. You saw the floaters. You saw the you saw the mid-range jump shot, which is never talked about with him, but he damn mm-hmm. sure got one. Um, oh, you he saw went him glass on one. That one from the yes. left elbow from like 20, That 20 foot, Dude, like, oh, elbow, right over, that was so weird. Right over Robert Williams, like, he just made Tim him a, a non-factor by hitting those kind of shots. Like you can't, it's an unblockable shot and he is just draining it, man. And doing it on their home floor in a game they had to have, uh, Matt, I think you and I, and I think Will too, I think we all thought this was going to be one, one, uh, when they went back home to Boston, I thought they were going to do that, but i like the fact that Steph did it in this fashion just to show his level of greatness and how great he is. Notice I ain't said good. Notice I said nice, great. It was great. Ladies and gentlemen, and I hope people really appreciate the greatness that we're getting from him in this finals. Yeah. You said 
Matt, like, is this a, what does he have left to prove performance? And for me, like the last couple of years, it just felt like there's nothing more he can prove. He's been on the greatest regular season team of all time. He's been to five NBA finals. He has three rings. Uh, he was the first ever, unit. like this guy is an all time great player. I mm-hmm. think he's around top 10 players of all time. And just like with the way that he has completely revolutionized the game, the way that now everybody is trying to do exactly what he does, but he still does it way better. Um, and I, I think he's the kind of player that you imagine him as somebody who doesn't dominate the game on the ball, right? Like everything that he does, all the chaos that he causes running around the court, coming off these split screens, um, pin downs and all that stuff. Like the way that he bends the game is not necessarily, you know, the way that Shaq dominates the game or even KD. And so people don't think of him as that kind of dominant player. And so to see him at this stage on a team that like, let's face it is completely overmatched by the Celtics team. I mean, Clay's had one good game. Draymond has been like a no show in, you know, at least one, if not more of these games, Kevon Looney has been one of their most stable performance like Steph is having a legendary legendary finals performance and he's doing it when with the ball in his hands he's pulling up mm-hmm. whenever he wants he's dancing he's like doing all the stuff that they've always tried to avoid having him do because mm-hmm. it's not the Warriors way and they're still kind of doing that but it's just very cool to see Steph fully unleashed and yeah I mean he's like 34 years old he technically has nothing left to prove but I feel like this elevates his legacy to something that, you know, I, I didn't even necessarily think he could reach. And I already think he's like, you know, around the top 10 players of all time. Mm-hmm. And it was really fun to watch, obviously, Steph just show up in all the big moments when the Warriors needed him uh, on Friday night. But even that final stretch of the fourth quarter, they got big buckets from Clay. They got big buckets and big moments from Andrew Wiggins, who shout out to Wiggins, dude. What are you, 17 and 16 boards? Like Wiggins doing the work that he needs to be doing for this undersized Warriors team on the glass was really impressive to me on Friday night, including a few offensive rebounds and putbacks that the Warriors like desperately needed when they were struggling to score in certain stretches. But to me, the just as big part of the way that that game unfolded in the final half of the fourth quarter was this thing that we've seen from the Celtics throughout their postseason run, and that's their struggle to close. Mm -hmm. Over the final six and a half minutes of the fourth quarter of that game, the Warriors went on a 19-5 to run. 19-5. to And and credit the Warriors for getting the stops that they needed Mm -hmm. to to pull that game out. But, I, I mean, what did you guys think as you were watching that Celtics team just absolutely fall flat on their face and struggle to score any buckets down the stretch, Dave? Well, first you touched on the second thing that I wanted to talk about, which was Andrew Wiggins. My God, what he did, and because I talked about that before the finals started, how I didn't think he was going to be able to have that impact uh, inside anymore because of the Twin Towers they had. And he said, nope, I'm still had that impact. I'm still do it. And he's been absolutely consistent this entire finals. He's been really solid every single game he's been solid it hasn't been him I haven't looked at him and said well I wish Wiggins could have done more no he's been solid so in this one he really maxed it out and he realized what they needed and that was somebody like you mentioned Matt on the interior 
grabbing those physical rebounds. He was getting physical rebounds, not just balls, you know, falling to him. No, he was going for them. He was out there. He was going to get them. And I appreciated him for that. I had a, I got a new respect for him for doing that um, because it's not his game. And for him to go in there and say, I don't give a damn. My game is my game is whatever gets my team a victory. And that's what I respect. And I respected that well about Andrew Wiggins. So definite big shout out to him for the game he had. I expect that to continue as the series goes on. Um, and the last thing you mentioned, Matt, that implosion. I have one thing about the Celtics, and that's Jason Tatum. That's it. That's it for me. Like, Jason Tatum hasn't been Jason Tatum. That's it. Like, it's I can go through all the stuff. I can go through all this other stuff. I can, eight, eight but I will come right back. Game four. The man's shooting like 27% from the field, like <laughs> for, for the whole finals. Like, no, absolutely not. It is on him. Do you want to be great or don't you? I don't want to hear, I don't want to see you showing up dressed like Kobe no more. You know what I mean? I don't want to hear, I don't want to see it, period. Because now you got to go do it, man. You got to get out on that floor and do it. You got to show and prove, all right? And he ain't been proving it on the floor on a consistent basis. He'll do it for a quarter and then he'll disappear. No. He has to do it for the entire game. He, They need him to do that. You see that in these losses that they've had. Honestly, I'll just be like, well, what Jason Tatum do? Now, no, he's got a ball out. He has to be that one to carry this team. They are trying to give this dude the MVP, all right? They are trying to give it to him. You see it set up for him to have it. They don't want to give it to Jalen Brown. They want to give it to Tatum. They are setting it up for him to have. He has to go seize that moment, man. Do you want to be good or do you want to be great? You keep talking about Kobe, and Kobe was great. So I need him to focus up and, and lean into being great, like we saw Steph Curry do this last game with. Yeah, I mean, I think I talked about it last game and, and your t- or last pod, and, and you're totally right. I mean, the, the Celtics aren't – I hate to say this because I think it's corny in a lot of ways, but like they just don't have Mamba mentality. They're not out there – closing games and that's what you need in the finals and like i said the warriors are overmatched they don't have as talented of a team but they have the best player in the series and he's playing so well that he's not letting them lose and if you're keeping it close even if you're a little bit under talented in these situations give me the guy who's going to win you a game over the guy who hasn't proven he's going to do that yet. And maybe that's a little bit unfair to say for Tatum because he's had such a good playoffs. He has had poor shooting games in the finals, but I think he is playing uh, at least facilitating at a, at a very high level. But again, he's not going out there and closing out games. And as long as Steph is keeping the Warriors afloat, help, helping them stick around, and then being that guy at the end of games, like you have to believe in that in that recipe for the Warriors because the Celtics to your point Dave just haven't done it yet they haven't proved they can just like you know put their foot on the Warriors neck and close out a game yeah um last thing that I wanted to touch on about game four is something that people have been talking about honestly through all four of the first four games of this series and that's whether Draymond is completely washed whether he is causing (laughs) Uh, problems and distractions with his podcast, which, by the way, I listen to, and I think it's great. Um, Whether he is giving away his team's strategy on the podcast, like everybody is just jumping on top of Draymond for his performance on the court, his call it a distraction, his podcast, and how those two things relate. He had another 
goose egg game in game four, if you're still talking about Draymond's influence on a game as far as points scored, which anyone who's still talking about that with Draymond Green, I think is looking at the wrong picture because yeah, thank you. He he is thank not you. <laughs> he is not shooting basketballs anymore, nor should he. Nor should he. <laughs> like I, I listened to uh uh you know Windhorst and Lowe break down game four and, and Wendy said, you know, he has a lot of takes that I don't I don't agree with, but he just had something I, I did agree with, which was like people are comparing Draymond and his not shooting to Ben Simmons. It's like no, like Ben Simmons should be comfortable and confident shooting a basketball at this point to be a quality contributing member of his team Draymond should not be shooting but you know what he did do you know what he did do is tally nine boards eight assists and four steals and part of that Celtics defense or or part of that uh, Celtics offense falling apart when it was falling apart is Draymond still doing Draymond things on the defensive end and so I you know I don't see it I don't see this Draymond Green is garbage and then especially with Steve Kerr taking him off the floor for a while in the fourth quarter as the Warriors made that run, people wanted to hammer that point even more. But then you know what happened? Steve Kerr put him back in with like three and a half minutes to go before that game was over. So, you know, there's my two cents on Draymond. Yeah, he's not scoring, but he hasn't been somebody that they rely on to score in forever. Ever. Like, like ever, ever, ever. He's still doing Draymond things out there. What do you guys think, Will? I mean, that's like saying, why isn't Dennis Rodman scoring 20 a night for his, for the Bulls in 97? Like, it's just not, that's not what he does. He, I mean, he can't do it, but it's also like, it's not a part of his game. It's not a part of the Warriors' DNA at all. Um, they run their offense through him. He's very much a point guard. And it's not the same as Simmons because everything doesn't, like Simmons isn't the hub that made the 76ers go. That was Embiid. And so not having a shooter next to Embiid was a problem. But with Draymond facilitating from the elbow or from the post um, or just running these pick and rolls with Steph, like that is what caters to his game and his skill set. And it also makes the Warriors a lot better. Uh, he did have a bad game, but like, come on. I mean, he's having a great playoffs overall. Eight points, seven rebounds, six assists, a steal on a block while shooting 47% from the field. Uh, he's never going to be a high volume scorer. He never has been. And that's never just even been remotely part of his game. But uh, I also think just on the on the topic of the podcast, like it's so funny because NBA fans are just so thirsty for content at all the time. That's why we have jobs, <laughs> right? Like people want content. And yet anytime Kevin thank Durant starts like, <laughs> yeah, thank you so much, fans. Uh, anytime Kevin Durant is on Twitter, like replying to people, everybody's like, oh, you're, you know, whatever. You should just go play basketball. It's like, no, this is amazing content. You have access into Kevin Durant's like thought process for however long, you know, like that's amazing. It's mm-hmm. the same with Draymond. It's the same with JJ Reddick's podcast. Like this is um, a new era of NBA content and how to consume it. And, you know, it's just such a unique perspective and like recording a podcast for an hour after a game is mm-hmm. not getting in the way of any homework that Draymond's doing on the series or <laughs> whether or not the ball's going in when he shoots it. Like MJ was out till 4am gambling in, you know, Whoa, whoa, golfing whoa, 36 holes like just chill it's fine you can like you can do something other than play basketball for an hour a day yeah i i kind of disagree with y'all and i i the podcast i don't disagree with at all like yeah that's stupid let it if you want to do a podcast let the man do a podcast all right i don't think that has any impact on the game he's not out there breaking down x's and o's of his team and telling you the plays that they're about to run on the podcast. All right. That's no, that's not what's going on there. 
if that's what he feel helps him, then let him do his podcast. I don't have a problem with it at all. Um, but what I do disagree with is Draymond does have to put the ball in the basket at some point in time. And I'm not saying he's got to go score 20, but I know one thing. When Draymond Green scoring, the Warriors are unbeatable. I know that. And when he's putting the ball in and getting you 10 points, like, can he get me 10? Like, he's never had a playoff series where he didn't average, like, 10 points a game. And that's all I want. Like, there's six points, there's five, seven points. No, that ain't that ain't it for me. And and I know he does other intangible things, and we see it. Matt, you talked about those last three minutes when he put him in the game. He was awesome you know, when he put him in those last three minutes of the game. The way he was getting those extra passes, the way he was setting those screens, the way he was getting guys open, uh, the pass he threw to Looney to basically kind of ice the thing was awesome. Like, he does those kind of things. But when Draymond, Draymond Green can still get you 10 points, he's supposed to get me 10. And that's the difference between him and those other guys you mentioned when I think of Dennis Rodman and all those other guys, is Draymond can get you 10. Like, seriously, he can. That Him taking an open three, I don't expect him to hit it all the time. I know that. <laughs> I'm not saying Draymond's got to miss those. But he has been gun-shy on a couple of those. When he's been wide open on them, he goes and looks for a pass and tries to, you know, run another play. Luckily, he's got Steph and Clay to where they can kind of create it on their own and, and it kind of bails it out like that. But he has to score something. I don't like him out there not doing anything as far as on the offensive end because for me it's like four on five. And when they're at their peak, man, I'm telling you, when Draymond's scoring, he's getting rebounds and getting putbacks and doing something like that, getting you 10 points, they're unbeatable. Do you? I remember game seven when I watched that dude drop 32 and 15. That's telling me you can score, all right? That's not a fluke. You can do that. So I'm he he can score. He should be putting the ball in bounds some clear. I'm not going to absolve him from that. But, like, don't you think it's a little reductive to say that Draymond's not doing anything on offense if he's not scoring? Like, he just – he agrees. He's, like, the facilitator. He's, like, the engine right. of the offense. And, like, Steph has had the ball in his hands a lot more this series, mm-hmm. as well he should, because, like, that's how they're able to produce offense. But I, I just don't think that means – like, Draymond's still the best screener. He's still the best playmaker out of the short roll. He's still getting the ball off rebounds and pushing in transition – He's still averaging seven assists per game. I just, he's, he's never been a big scorer. He's had moments where he scored in the past, I suppose, but I just don't, I don't think that like, it, I think it's extra if you, if you get any points out of him. And, and what you just said about Draymond and his ability to play make in the short role, Will, I think that's maybe part of the reason why you're still seeing the Celtics just kind of play that quasi drop uh, against Steph. Cause I mean, if, if they try and trap him, and Steph hits Draymond, and then Draymond is there to start a four-on-three situation with plenty of time left on I mean, th- that's how the Warriors have picked teams apart for years offensively, is Draymond's ability in that short role. Um, so, you know, it, it's it's crazy how many different ways people have discussed Draymond in, in these NBA finals. But, I, I and like, look, people have their opinions about Draymond. Some people can't stand him. Some people think he is, you know, in, in Some certain- people are me. Just say it. <laughs> Some people are me. Is that what you said? Some people are Will, who loves Draymond. Some people are Draymond Look, apologists. Hey man, I'm one of them. The, the only thing that I've ever had a problem with with Draymond is when he just like straight up compared himself to Dennis Rodman and saying that like in some way he thought he was like as good or better than Dennis. And then I was like, okay, okay, no, 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 no. Let Will tell it. No, no, no. no. <laughs> but, but they're just totally different. I mean, yeah. I don't think that's. I don't. Yeah, I don't think they're they're different that. players. They're different players. But but that's totally but I. Different. I agree with Will. That's why I said about, about the offense. That's why I said when he came in the game and the passes that he made and the screens that he set on the offensive end 
were vitally important. I know he does other things on the offensive end. No, there's no question about it. He wouldn't be in the game if he didn't. Right. But but, but I think he, that's why he's gotta score 10. Like if he's he's gotta give me at least 10 points on something, man. Like he's gotta get some layups. You know what I'm saying? Like he's gotta get the easy buckets because he was the king of getting easy buckets. And it just doesn't seem like he's getting those anymore either. And that's why it looks different to me, you know? Yeah, I think some of it has to do with the lack of production everywhere else because if Draymond, if if like Jordan Poole's not hitting his shots or Wiggins isn't hitting his shots and the defense can collapse a little bit more on Draymond in those short roll situations, he obviously can't get anything going to the basket in a four on three when two people are on him. And mm-hmm. so he's passing it out and obviously he's not going to score in those situations. So the more pressure the Warriors are able to put on the Celtics to stretch out the floor with Otto Porter, with Andrew Wiggins, with Jordan Poole, with Clay Thompson, like those guys are making their shots. That's going to open up the scoring lanes for Draymond because you're right. He's not creating offense. It's going to be putbacks, uh, which I think are pretty rare. It's going to be open runways to the basket on these pick and rolls when there's a ton of space around him. So I think if you do see a lot of points from Draymond, it's an indicator that the Warriors shooters are shooting well and that they're mm-hmm. putting pressure on the Celtics to get out in rotation and close out hard. It is funny to see them just completely sag off of Draymond uh, in, in like aggressive ways. So like, he, he and, run into and, the rim and pass and, it. Like and Dre's like, no, nah, I have zero interest in shooting. Like, <laughs> hey man, know your strengths and weaknesses. Know, you know? your strengths. Yeah, that's real. Um, like honestly, that's that's a good point too. Yeah, you're right. All right, so can't wait to watch Game Five. Uh, just about four hours away. Here we will offer our thoughts on what happened in Game Five on tomorrow's episode. Uh, and now. We're going to get to some more draft profiles. We're talking about Kansas's Ochai Abaji today, as well as Wake Forest Jake Laravia. So that's coming up next. But first, a quick message from our friends at PointsBet. The best way to support CHGO is to download the PointsBet app and use that promo code CHGO when signing up. If you do that right now, you're going to get those two risk-free bets up to two thousand dollars you can get two thousand in free bets risk-free bets for these nba finals games but that's not it if you make a fifty dollar or more first time deposit you'll also receive your free chgo membership which unlocks all of our amazing exclusive web content including our guy will here's draft profile breakdowns that are starting to get dropped now you'll even get a fresh uh you'll even get a free shirt of your choice from the chgo locker that's $2,000 in free bets, a free CHGO membership, and a free T-shirt from the CHGO locker, all for just making that $50 or more first-time deposit at PointsBet. Plus, don't forget that live NBA same-game parlay. Maybe three more options? Maybe three more times? Ooh. Give me Game 7. I need it. I want it. Needs it. Gotta have it. Combine your favorite bets anytime during the game. You can also boost those live NBA same game parlays. Watch live, parlay live, boost live, all with that points bet app. And now online signup is available for Illinois residents. You can download that points bet app right now. Register your account from start to finish and start making your picks all from your phone. So what are you waiting for? Once the game starts, don't just bet. Will the thrill tell them what to do? You live your bet life. Oh, yes. He said it so well. Everybody come close. Gather around, kids. Gather it's time to talk about good things right here. Get excited, because I'm going to tell you about those 75 high-quality vitamins and minerals. Those whole food source superfoods. 
those probiotics, and of course, you can't have it without those adaptogens. That's right. It's Will the Thrill's favorite, the athletic greens, y'all. You got to have it in your life to start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and that aging. All the things that you want to have taken care of. And it costs you less than $3 a day. It's cheaper than that cold brew habit. It's cheaper than a tank of gas, y'all. Oh, my God. You're investing in your all-in-one nutritional insurance. It's lifestyle-friendly, whether you're gluten-free, dairy-free, vegan, keto, however you want to do it, they got you. No GMOs, no nasty chemicals, no artificial anything, and it does all this while still tasting really, 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 really good. But don't take my word for it. That man up there that they call Will the Thrill in Brazil can tell you more than I could ever. Will, please. So I used all the the AG1 that I had with me. I ordered some more. It got uh, got delivered. I'm going to get it when I get back later this week. I'm missing it. I love it as part of my morning routine. Mm-hmm. makes you feel good keeps you in check and yeah I, I just love what you say dave about investing in your health i think that's so true i think it's so important and i wish there was a only meat option so that matt would finally start taking it <laughs> we're do, working on it do they have a do they have a sister uh, sister company line of products called athletic meats because i'd be <laughs> all over that athletic meats oh my goodness well while, while they're working on that Y'all get your athletic greens. And to make it easy for people like you, me, and my friend Matt, you can get a one-year supply free of that immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase, y'all. That is a deal. And all you got to do is go to athleticgreens.com slash C-H-G-O Bulls. That's athleticgreens.com slash C-H-G-O Bulls to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance because it's athletic greens you scoop it you dump it you shake it you drink it you feel it Mm, delicious put it in a smoothie do they do they have a brat flavor (laughs) i was gonna say athletic brats that's funny that you (laughs) yeah how about, can, can I just tell you yes and, yeah. and, and just give you, you something? Like, you guys want to guess how many brats I had this weekend while I was up in my phone? Ooh, uh, so so Friday, Friday to Sunday. Oh, no. Friday to Sunday? That's at least nine. <laughs> nine I'm brats. I'm going higher. I'm going I'm higher? Like, I'm thinking you could you could get four or five in one sitting. If you're doing Friday and Saturday barbecues, I'm definitely going double digits. I'm, combi- I'm gonna go with- but see, I'm thinking beer and all the other stuff combined. Like, there's, there's got to he's got to have some at least nine. Like, at least it's got to be nine. I'm going thirteen. Okay, all right. I tricked you guys. It was a trick question. Okay. I only had five. <laughs> How's that a trick? That's question? still because <laughs> I knew you guys were going to guess some ridiculous number. Nine is that's not a ridiculous a lot number. Of <laughs> you know, plus a couple of burgers and some flank steak. But you know, there exactly. Is. There it is. It Thank you. You feel me, Will? Yeah. Don't don't bring there this here is. like we crazy. Like like we know who we hang out with. Stop it. <laughs> uh, all right, let's talk about some NBA draft prospects, shall we? Sure. Sure. Um, all right, so. Huge role 
in the Kansas Jayhawks run to the NCAA title earlier this year. He decided to come back for his senior season. He is Ochai Abaji. Guys, this uh, to me is a very like classic example of four-year college player on the older side, um, you know, already 22 years of age. Going to come in and be NBA ready as a rookie, but you're also probably wondering just how high the ceiling is because we're talking about a player who's got a probably a, a very decent and respectable floor, but maybe there's not a whole lot there that we haven't seen in his four-year college career. What jumps out to you first when you're looking at this Kansas product, Will? Yeah, so uh, a four-year college player, uh, 22.17 years old on draft night. He's 6'5.75 with a 6'10 and a quarter wingspan uh, and had a great senior season at Kansas. Obviously uh, won the title, but uh, 18.8 points, 5.1 rebounds, and an assist and a half shot 47 and a half, 40.7 and 74. Um, he's been projected like as early as late lotto, but even down to like early second round in some mocks. So he's kind of all over the place. And I think it's exactly what you're saying is, this guy could be your six five three and D, you know, catch and shoot, open threes in the corner with the occasional like back cut for a layup kind of player. And I think there's a ton of value in that in today's NBA. Um, we talk a lot about, um, you know, drafting for need versus drafting best player. And I think it's a it's a tricky line in a lot of ways because if you're a team that's good and that needs shooting. Um, you know, obviously I just said need. So you, you do draft for need to a certain extent, but it's like, it is a skill to fill that role and to, and to be a player that can play off of your best player. Um, so I do think it's different for a team like the bulls than, you know, the magic drafting first overall, who obviously need a franchise caliber player. So I do think the upside is very limited, but he is a very good shooting threat. He is a very good defensive player on the perimeter. Um, as I said, only 6'5". I don't think he's going to be able to guard a lot of threes and fours. It'll be mostly ones and twos with the occasional three. Uh, but I think that's a really valuable player. He kind of reminds me of Kentavious Caldwell-Pope in the mm. sense that, like I said, he has those long arms. He can contest shots. He can move around on the perimeter. And he can hit an open three. And there's value in that. But I think for me, just the fan in me would be a little bored with that pick for the Bulls. Yeah, Um <sighs> I'll try, okay, I'll, I'll start. I'll start with the positives. Let me just start there. Yeah, the the shooting is great. Um, I loved watching him shoot that basketball. Like Will mentioned, his catch and shoot was awesome. Uh, shot in really high percentage uh, doing that. You could throw the ball to him anywhere. Uh, like he didn't have to have it just put right in his hands for him to hit that three. You could throw it a little over his head. You could throw it a little low. It didn't matter. Two guys running at him. It, it didn't matter. That shot was going in. And he's shooting it with extreme confidence. And he knows his length, uh, like Will mentioned, his uh, wingspan. He knows his length when he's shooting that ball. And he still puts a nice little high arc on it, too. Um, and I, I really like that. I, I enjoyed watching him shoot the three. And the other thing I really enjoyed watching him do was dunk the damn basketball. My God. Like, he was the first one of all the guys we looked at that I just said, oh, my God. <laughs> like, at when I would watch him dunk. Um, because man, it was so, it was just with such veracity and force, man, that he dunked it. And you just see the sheer athleticism that he had. Um, you just watched if the alley-oops that they were throwing at this dude were unreal. Like they were just throwing it up 
anywhere. And he was catching it and just slamming it. It was, it was, I, it, uh, <laughs> like I was speechless watching that stuff. I really was like, this is a really excellent player when he's doing that kind of thing right there. So I'm thinking of Lonzo, you know, in transition. And I'm thinking of Lonzo, like him on the back cuts and all those kind of things. And the fact he combines that with three-point shooting, I think he does both of those things really, 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 really well. Like it, it was very exciting watching those two things. Yeah, he does have uh, some really impressive athleticism. I believe he registered a 39-inch vertical at the Combine, which I think was top five among all Combine participants. So you know he's got the hops. Um, but but obviously his greatest asset is that shooting that you guys are talking about. The thing that is really impressive to me is the way that from his freshman year um, in college through his senior year, you saw – a significant improvement his freshman year I think he shot a little over 30 percent behind the arc on about three and a half attempts per game by his senior year he was hitting at just over 40 percent on six and a half attempts per game so he doubled up his attempts and improved his three-point percentage by 10 percent uh from his you know from his first to his last year at mm. Kansas and that definitely gives you confidence that that three-point shot is going to translate to the NBA level right Mm -hmm. absolutely yeah i mean i think that that's exactly why this guy is sort of a high floor low ceiling prospect you know what you're going to get from him he's going to be a solid defender he is going to hit the three at a very reliable rate and there's a ton of value in that but he's not going to be able to create any offense off the bounce i don't even think he has much in the way of attacking closeouts um and obviously like being a little bit of an older prospect you just wonder how much more room there is to grow in general so um, I think the, the trope of like high floor, low ceiling prospect gets thrown around a little bit, but he definitely seems to fit into that category for me. Um, just because, you know, he, he doesn't do a lot else. And I think in, in a lot of situations he, he won't need to, like, that's a, that's an important role to fill, but I don't, as a bulls team who I think needs a little bit more talent. Yes. They need the shooting. Yes. They need the defense, but I think they could be looking for it in a way that's a little bit more uh, upside focused um, while still retaining that ability to defend and to shoot threes at a, at a high enough clip. Yeah, there it is right there. What you just said right there, Will. He, everything else, he doesn't do well. Like those two things, the dunking. Well, it's, it's not even that he doesn't do them well. He just doesn't do them. Like he's not asked to do them. He doesn't do them and he's probably not going to do them. Well, no, I'm I'm saying the other things I saw that he didn't do well. Yeah. That's that's what I'm gonna say. Um, but because the dribbling, no, he wasn't great at it. Doesn't have a left hand. Uh, didn't really have any moves. Um, didn't have really anything in the post or anything like that. Uh, he got lost a lot on on defense. Uh, you're right. He was solid with his perimeter defense because you know he knew how to use his arms uh, on those guys. And so yeah, he he could be helpful in that way, but. Everything else, I tell you why, why I was out. The second I saw him airball a layup, I was done. I was out, and because you can't know, because immediately when I saw that, the first person I thought of was Denzel Valentine. He's the only oh, human being God. I saw saw do that was airball layups, and I watched him airball a layup. I don't know what happens to him, Will, when he gets a ball and he's got to make his own decision and get to the rim. It's like he forgets he's athletic, and it's weird. Like I, I it's weird. Like I've watched you you know, catch all these incredible alley-oops and do all this stuff. And then they give him a ball and he, it's like, he's scared to jump two feet off the ground, you know, to go get a layup. It's, 
it's really strange to me uh, watching his uh, tape like that. Uh, maybe people who know much more than me can tell me about that and stuff like that or tell me that where I'm wrong at on it. Um, but yeah, like just, I was just like, no, <laughs> like I, I can't see that as a good fit for the Bulls. I can see it as a good fit for a team for sure in the NBA, but man, the no dribbling didn't really get created. Can't really create his own shot. Didn't really have a jump shot. Um, not, not the greatest of rebounders, uh, great cutter, great slasher, great backdoor and stuff like that. But man, when he put the ball in his hands and he has to do anything else, it, it was a struggle for him uh, to do that. And that's would be okay if he was 19 years old, but for him to be a four-year guy and still kind of dealing with those kind of things, that that was that's when I was kind of out on it. But, but and here's when the, the Bulls when the Bulls drafted, you know, Denzel, that other four-year guy, it worked out so well for them. Well, Go when, ahead, when, they, when they when they drafted Chris <laughs> Dunn, another four-year guy, it worked out so well for them. Please go ahead, Will. <laughs> well, I was just gonna say, like, he, he could end up in a situation like the Lakers, for example, and play off of LeBron and stand in the corner and shoot the yeah, and defend a true. little bit and have a great yeah, career. Absolutely. But if he's if he or like the Bucks. Like he could fill Pat Connaughton is a free agent. He could come in and be that, you know, third guard off the bench. No question. And really have an impact. Um, but he could also end up on, you know, some random team like the Wizards or the Hornets or the Cavs or something and just kind of like go away and not really, you really don't hear about him for, <laughs> for six or seven years. And I think if you are that kind of player where it could, it could go, one of those two extreme two extremes, but you're also supposed to be like a really high floor player. That that's kind of a red flag to me. And maybe that has more to do with the situation and like, you know, who you're playing with. But uh for a Bulls team that, like I said, I still think needs a lot of talent. They do need what he brings, but I think they need it in different ways. I would be a little bit bored and a little bit disappointed with this pick. Um and again, that's not to say he's a bad player. I think he would have a right. really productive role with a good team. Mm-hmm. But I think the Bulls could do better, frankly. And that's yeah. also – I'm sorry, man. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I mean, he offers things that this Bulls team and this roster apparently needs after watching this past season in the fact that he's a knockdown three-point shooter and he's a capable two-way player. I mean, like, those are two things that this team needs and didn't have a lot of down the stretch, mm-hmm. three point reliable three-point shooting and competent two-way players. So yeah. that's why I think some people could say – he makes sense as a fit, but it's also very much so like nothing that he does really wows you. And that's why it's underwhelming. Yeah. I think it's more what will kind of stated too. Like I see him on a really good team, just making a really big impact because he won't be asked to do those other things. He'll ask me do to do what he does best and everything else will kind of be taken care of because on the bulls, He's going to be asked to, he might be asked to dribble. You know what I'm saying? Like, he might be asked to do those things because the Bulls, we, we talked about, it, they, they struggled at that. And like having other guys, at least I talk about it, like other guys who can actually um, create their own thing. You know what I'm saying? They have their own shot. Um, and they're going to kind of need that from a guy who plays the position that he does, you know? And, but that's why I think he's in a good position to where he falls a little lower in the draft in the first round because he can wind up with a really good team. Like we'll mention the Bucks, like we mentioned the Lakers and teams like that. He shows up there. He's impact immediately. All right. He, I think he's a really good fit for those kind of teams, but man, anybody else where he's going to be asked to do other stuff. I, I, I don't know. I could be wrong, but I, I just don't know. 
And it's also the situation where, like, if he does end up with one of those teams that slips a little bit and heads to a good team, it's like, oh, how did he slip so far in the right. draft? He's such a good player. <laughs> right. And if he would, if he'll go a little bit earlier, it's like, oh, he's a bust. He was too, you know, right. he was too old. He was never so. I, yeah. It's got to be a perfect situation for him. And I, I just don't know if, if the Bulls are like a. It's got to be a perfect situation for anybody kind of guy. Yeah. Yeah, and, and look. I don't think it's necessarily fair to say uh, resolutely that he's, you know, that Abaji's not going to get any better in the NBA than he is now. Sure. Um, we've seen players who are three or four year college players add things to their game at the NBA level that they didn't have when they entered and and played their rookie season. I mean, if if you want to combine, you know, uh, Juco and Marquette, Jimmy was an older rookie. Mm-hmm. who was a four-year college player. Yeah, Nobody saw him as a create-his-own-shot-off-the-dribble isolation offensive weapon because he wasn't when he came in. And, you know, Jimmy's a rare example of that happening, but it is an example, and it's not the only one. Guys who are seen as these higher-floor, lower-ceiling, multi-year college players coming into the draft, some of them add to their game. But some of the things that you see on his college tape at Kansas is what makes you skeptical that that'll happen. Like with, you know, mentioning some of the things that Dave did and the fact that like his ball handling is not, nothing about his ball handling says it's it, it could use a little work and then it could become like an asset. It's like, no, it's 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 pretty freaking bad. Yeah. And, you know, Matt, you know, the main guy you when you were talking that I was thinking about was Taj Gibson. You know, that's that's a great point right there. Like Taj Gibson, Taj Gibson had an AARP card when he came into the league. And but he was number 26. He went to the right team at, at, at a low in the draft. You know what I'm saying? That got him late in the draft that knew the role that he needed to play. And he played it perfectly. So he can definitely be, be that kind of player for one of these really good teams out here, I think. Yeah, he should go to the Mavs, you know, and just play next Ooh, to Luca or perfect. the Bucks or the or like the Warriors or something. Like he'd be awesome. Yes, but he I just would. don't think the Bulls the Bulls are that infrastructure, and they need a little bit more upside. Um, and I just don't know how much there's there. But I do completely agree with you, and I want to be careful about that. In an in, you know, talking about prospects in general is like putting a cap on them and saying they're not going to mm-hmm. get better. I think that's yeah. a ter- terrible thing to do. So I definitely don't want to come off that way. He's obviously shown improvement every single year, and there's no reason to believe that will stop. But I do think your your point about like, you know, he's going to improve at the things that he's already good at and that he has shown he can improve at, which is right. the shooting and the defense. But it's not going to be the stuff that he has never been able to do and has been really, you know, a weakness of his game. Um, so there it is. Uh, there is the Kansas wing Ochai Abaji definitely has some things that could be useful for this bull squad next season and for, and moving forward, but some, uh, some serious doubts about just how much better he can be than he is now as an age 22 rookie coming into this draft mm-hmm. class. Okay. We still got to talk about Jake Laravia. He is up on deck, but before that big Dave, one more shout out to our friends at points bet. Would you please? If you enjoy CHGO, <laughs> one so way. emphatic. <laughs> if it almost came out of my Nikes, <laughs> or your Burks, you ain't got no Nikes. <laughs> one way to continue to help us to grow is to download that Points Bet app 
and use that code CHGO when you sign up because not only are you going to get those two, count them, one, two risk-free bets up to $2,000, but if you make a $50 or more first-time deposit, you will receive a free CHGO membership, which unlocks all of that awesome web content, and you'll even get that free T-shirt of your choice from the CHGO locker. And if you're in this wonderful state of Illinois in this hot-ass city of Chicago, you can actually download the PointsBet app right now and register your account from start to finish and do it all from your phone. You'll be signing up with the fastest sportsbook easier than ever so you can start living your bet life when? In seconds. Mm. So what are you waiting for? Because once that game starts, you don't just bet. Young Goat Lead, tell them what you do. You live your bet life. Gambling problem called 1-800-522-4700. Oh, I nailed that one. That was you always nail it. What are you smooth. talking about? <laughs> oh, that was smooth. There is no perfect will, only learning. <laughs> there is no Dana, only Zool. Um, <laughs> all right. I, I still, I'm still stuck on that. If! That's just... <laughs> scared the bejesus out of me i probably not see that coming (laughs) that's me you never see it coming that's true yeah uh all right guys let's talk about wake forest's forward jake laravia uh this is a guy who went through the transfer portal after i believe uh indiana state is where he started i believe um uh played at wake forest 20 year old six foot eight um a fairly uh, pedestrian wingspan of six, nine and a half, 34 inch vertical um, shooting splits, 55.9 from the field, 38.4 behind the three point line, 77.7% from the free throw line um, and put up 14 and a half points, six and a half rebounds, 3.7 assists for wake forest this season. Um I so I've I've watched the tape of uh, of Laravia and the word that comes to mind for me is underwhelmed. Um, mm. I, I kind of see him being in a box that is not ideal for the NBA on the defensive end. I I don't have a whole lot of confidence in his ability to switch and competently guard smaller guys on the perimeter but I also don't see him as a guy that really has a lot of strength uh, to, to deal with bigger power, bigger and stronger power forwards and centers in the NBA. So to me, he's like a tweener in all the wrong ways when I watch his tape, but maybe I I'm missing something that you guys see with this guy. Cause I watched his tape and I gave a big old shoulder shrug. Uh, Will, what do you think about him? I'm a little higher on his defensive potential. I think then you are, he, um, you know, he got a ton of steals and blocks at the NBA or at the college level, which I think is a really good indicator. Mm -hmm. Um, 2.7% steal rate and 3% block rate. Um, both really, really impressive. And if you combine that, I just like did a little, uh, database research here. If you combine those numbers with his 38.4% on three pointers, you, there are five players who have done that since 2009, 10, two of them, Mm -hmm. I couldn't tell you who they were, but the other three, Draymond Green, Clay Thompson, Mikhail Bridges. Now, I don't think he's going to be that caliber of defender and certainly not the caliber of shooter that Clay or maybe even Mikhail Bridges are, but I do think he's going to be very, very solid. Um, those kinds of um, 
defensive steal and, and block rates are typically pretty good indicators that he'll know how to do that stuff at the next level. Um, he's, he's a big body. He's not super quick. And I agree. He's not going to be able to guard down much. Um, I also don't think he's like going to be a Kawhi or a LeBron or Giannis stopper, but having a big body who can tip away passes is good at timing. Um, I, I do think that's really valuable and he'll be able to probably guard your second best wing offensive player. So I'm a little bit higher. I do think he has limitations defensively, but as a, another sharp shooting wing who has mm-hmm. uh, much more size than Agbaji, I think he fits into maybe the Bulls ecosystem and just a general um, NBA ecosystem a little bit better. So I, I think, you know, he, he also has a little bit more untapped upside in terms of playmaking and ball moving, but I'll kick it back to you, Dave. Uh, I, I agree with you, Will. <laughs> I, I do. Um, I've watched him and maybe – this is because I, y'all know I love the try hard guy that puts in all the effort and, you know, really tries to, you know, do it out there. And uh, shout out Maddie Legend. Um, but watching his tape, uh, first I'll start with the positive. I, I re- you're right. Well, that three point shooting, he was a sharpshooter, especially from the corners. Uh, there was no doubt about it. The thing I didn't that worried me was he had to have it perfectly. Like everything had to go right uh, for him to get it. Like it, it was very mechanical, which is not a diss. It was just very, you know, put it here, you know, right here in these hands, right here. I'm going to catch I'm a square and I'm going to shoot it. It it couldn't be thrown a little higher, you know, because he's going to be thrown off, couldn't be thrown a little lower because he might be thrown off. But you put it there and these point guards in the league today are damn sure talented enough to put it anywhere you want it. So you put it right to him. He's draining that joint. And also on the offensive end, and please do not take what I'm about to say. (laughs) Like I'm not saying they're on any level of the same at all when I say this. But watching him when he was creating his own shot, it reminded me of what Luca does. And what I mean by that is using his size without having all that athleticism, without having all the great handles in the world, even though Luca got handles, but having all of that and using, you know what I'm saying, craftiness and using his IQ to get you with the up fake and go up and up and under, you know what I'm saying? Or hitting you with the fadeaway or hitting you with the hook shot or, you know, just being very crafty and how he got, got his buckets, but at the same time using his size to uh, back you down and, and wear you down and put you in the lane so he can try to score. I like, I like that aspect of, of his game on the offensive end. And you mentioned the passing too. I thought his passing was, was solid as well. I thought he was a great passer on the defensive end. I grew with you there too. Will the quick hands is what got me. Um, he has some really, really quick hands. Like as soon as you pull that ball anywhere near uh, uh, your belt line or anything like that about, about your waist, he's swiping at it. And I mean quick. And when you got somebody with those quick hands, that means foul is not going to get called so fast because the hand is quicker than the eye. So when you're moving that fast with that and that ball is out of there, ref can't, is not going to make that call of a foul unless he hears the sound of you slapping him on the wrist or something like that. So I, I like that aspect of it. Everything else, I feel you, Matt. <laughs> I feel you. All right. I, I do. I feel you're right. All of that is true. He's gonna get cooked when when he's going one-on-one with cats. Even though I like his footwork uh at the perimeter one-on-one, I like his footwork on that sense. But you know, everything else, I mean, if you got some speed, he's cooking you. You know what I'm saying? You, you're getting cooked. Um, switching on the defense, he's getting cooked. Like all those things are going to happen uh to him. That's not to say he can't work on those things and try to, you know, get a little better at it, but you know, it's hard to increase speed. You know what I mean? And things like that uh, in the league. But overall, I like him. Uh, I think there'll be a fit for him on some team. 
I wouldn't be surprised if he just went straight to the G League and stuff like that. I wouldn't be shocked at that, but I, I wasn't super low on him. I think it's interesting that he is, from what I have seen across all NBA draft coverage and projections, trending up as we get closer to the draft. Like we talked about guys, like last week we we, we profiled Jaden Hardy, a guy who before his season with the G League Ignite was like a top three pick consensus. Mm -hmm. And now he's projected to go down somewhere around where the Bulls are in the late teens or 20s. Mm -hmm. And, um, and uh, you know, LaRavia is a guy who's, who's doing the opposite. He's trending up on a lot of people's draft boards. And I'm just trying to figure out why. Like, the, the, I mean, I, and, and I, I don't say that disparagingly. I'm just like, what, what is it that people are seeing in this kid that has him trending up from middle of the second round, probably to, you know, a couple months ago to now being like, he might go towards the end of the lottery. Like some people believe he could sneak into like the top 15. I what, do, will, do you know what's causing that, you know, upward momentum for, for Jake right now? I think it's, sort of a similar thing that we talked about with Agbaji, which is that like that skill set is really in demand. And if you start hearing all the Warriors are interested, all the Mavs are interested, what about the Bucks? They I've heard they're interested. Um I just made all three of those up. But like <laughs> my, my point is my point is like Will's about to get aggregated again by one of those yeah. super random sports websites. My my point is like if if good teams are interested, then maybe some of the mediocre teams should be interested. Maybe he starts trending up that way. And if the mm. mediocre teams are well, maybe the the bad team should like try to get a guy like that because it's valuable. And again, it's a situation uh, similar to Agbaji where you need that skill set. I think he I'm higher on him for sure than Agbaji because one he's bigger, he can guard bigger wings, um, and I think he has a little bit more offensive creation, both for himself and just ball moving than Agbaji does. Um, I do compare him a little bit to Liddell. I think I'm higher on Liddell than Laravia, but uh, just in terms of somebody who's going to be that bigger bodied for who I think his jumper is going to be a lot more reliable. And I think he's going to be very solid defensively, but not give you that same level of rim protection. Mm-hmm. Um but I'm also I have questions about Liddell and his ability to to really switch out on the perimeter as well. So mm-hmm. I think they have similar um, or kind of inverted strengths and weaknesses, but similar mm-hmm. players in general. Um, still, I, I think I go Liddell over Laravia, but uh, it makes sense to me why he's rising and, and has been a late riser. I think guys who, like I said, have the high steel block rates, guys who shoot threes at a high level, are always going to be in demand at the NBA level. Yeah, I, I agree. Well, I'm, I'm a little higher on than I am on Ochai uh, for all the reasons I just mentioned. Um, it's just I can see him fitting on teams a little bit better because he does a little bit more uh, on the floor on both ends. He'll, he'll do a little bit more. Even when you're getting even when you're getting beat on defense, I, I give you points for, for effort. You know what I'm saying? Like I give you points for that and I give you points for IQ. And I think his IQ is a little basketball IQ. Excuse me. I think his basketball IQ is a little higher on the floor. Uh, the old times from just from the stuff I was looking at, I could be completely wrong about that, but just from the things I was looking at, this is what it seemed like to me. Uh, he just never looked like he was not engaged, he was always engaged into the game of, of what was going on at that time. Uh, his cuts were also great, I didn't even mention that, but his cutting is great. Um, it reminded me of your boy Doug McDermott, Matt, when I saw that. Uh, coming out of college, what, I should say, what whoa, <laughs> my just, boy, 
Can I mess with you? Because I know Fred loved him and you hated him. That's why I threw him at you. <laughs> That's the only reason I tossed him at you, man. Inexcusable. <laughs> but, Out of bounds. <laughs> But yeah, like that's those are the, I like that about his game. Like I need him to make what can he do to to make it easier on guys on the offensive end that are out there. You know what I'm saying? How can he make it easier on the point guard? How can he make it easier on you know Demar? You know how can he how can he help those guys out? And he seems like he's going to do anything like his game to to kind of do that. And I'm not saying Ochai isn't like I'm, that's not what I'm saying at all. It's just I see more tools. Uh, in this young man's game, Jake's game, than 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 I do in Ochai's. And and real quick, Matt, like I, I watched that video you talked about um, when Liddell was talking to Schwartz. I watched that earlier. Before mm-hmm. all that, you're you're right. I'm in love now. Like yeah, <laughs> like that's it. Like I'm in. Like I'm in. <laughs> like I'm in, dog. Like yeah, I'm in, bro. Like my God. But yeah, like I like Jake though. I do. I like Jake. I don't see him going as a high pick. Awesome if he does. I mean, shout out to him if if any of these guys you know get that. But I see him in the low tier of the first round and going to a winning team and yeah, being successful that way. And it's the same thing, right? Like uh, these guys who are a little bit more limited, a little lower upside end up on, you know, better teams and have a role. And it's like, how are the bucks always this team that has (laughs) all these three and D wings that can play next to Giannis. And it's like, well, they're good and they can afford to take picks that are a little higher floor and a little lower ceiling. Yeah, but I do think I do think he has a little bit more, like you said, Dave tools. I like the way that you put that. I think he has a little bit more that he can work with and get better and obviously is a bit younger than Nagbaji as well. So um, I think rankings wise for me, I would still go Eason, Liddell, LaRavia, Agbaji. And I'm trying to remember if we've talked about any other bigger wings, but I think that's where I'm at right now. All right, there it is. Two more draft profiles down, Abaji and Laravia. We've got two more coming for y'all on tomorrow's episode, our Tuesday episode. Uh, A guy that I know a lot of Bulls fans are excited about and talking about because uh, they know that the uh, the Vooch era is not forever, and that's Walker Kessler. So we'll talk about him tomorrow. Uh, We'll also talk about Nikola Jovic, who... People are just throwing wild things about on NBA and draft Twitter just because of his name. That's a a tough name to have for that young man. But he's he's, he's got some moves. So we'll talk about those two prospects tomorrow. Stay tuned. Make sure you're watching all this pre-draft coverage. We've got another fun guest planned for the middle of this week on our Wednesday episode who will join us in studio. And uh, just another reminder – uh, go check out on that CHO Sports YouTube channel our Draft Prospects playlist. You can find it there under the playlist tab of our CHO Sports YouTube channel for some of those quick hitter vids that Big uh, Big Dave and Will have done. We'll crank out some more this week. And then uh, another little just reminder for you guys, a week from Thursday on Draft Night itself, we will be doing a live draft show. The three of us will be there. We will also welcome in some guests sporadically as we make our way through. We're going to start that show a half hour before the start time of the NBA draft, which I believe is 6.30 Central Time. So we'll start at 6, and we will go for the entirety of the first round. Half an hour pregame all the way through to the 30th and final pick. We will be live streaming an episode of the CHGO Bulls podcast. So come come watch us lose our voices live. Yeah. (laughs) 
Man. See what I can talk Madden to during that time. <laughs> yeah. We should we should uh, it's we too should, bad you don't have another mustache to shave off. We should set some <laughs> bars for uh for um you know super chat numbers <laughs> as we're doing a four hour long episode. Ooh, of, good one. Of You're stupid right. things that we can make each other do. That's true. That's true. I gotta put some thoughts together. You're right, Matt. I'll, br- <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll bring I'll bring some brats that you can have, Dave. <laughs> You're so kind. There are some Beyond vegan brats, brats out there, just to tell you. That's not a brat. <laughs> that is a that is a weird cylinder of something that's not food. I think that's also a brat, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, agree to disagree. I brought some brats home with me. I'm going to heat one up for dinner as soon as I'm done posting this episode. <laughs> enjoy, oh it. Y'all enjoy it. <laughs> y'all enjoy your athletic greens. Um, Yo, all that right. was hilarious. That's it for today. Hey, real quick, shout I've out to I've our... never seen Dave like this before. I love it. <laughs> I did this. Shout out to our, our pal, John Sabine, who, uh, who recently oh. became a daddy. Uh, hey. John and his wife, Carrie, hey. welcome their baby boy. Save me! Uh, John Jr. I don't know what they're gonna call him. They they got to pick a nickname, but I call him JB. That's what I call JB. JB. Congrats to John uh, and his better half, Karen. Happy for them. Uh, send him some well wishes on on the socials. Uh, right. And that's it. We're out. We will talk to you guys tomorrow. Will stay safe down there in Brazil. Brazil. Won't Gottlieb. Bow. BWL Sports. Bulls underscore pack. CHO underscore Bulls. Until tomorrow, Bulls fans. Appreciate you as always. See Red be good.